Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be talking about Psalms 121. It's not a very long psalm, but I'm going to read it to you, and, and then I'm going to extract from that and do my very best to convey an understanding to you. We have one point today, just one point. Some, some of you want like three or four or five. That's like giving you a 20-ounce ribeye when you can barely finish a filet mignon. It's, you're going to get a filet mignon today, so just be happy. It'll be good. I looked up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want you to catch this. The psalmist is writing, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Imagine understanding that the very individual, the person who was helping you, is the one who formed and made everything. And he knew, and he had that understanding. This was his conscience. This was a song he wrote. He said, he will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, everyone say Israel, never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. He's still talking about Israel. The Lord stands beside you as a protective shade. The Lord will not, the the, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. In this portion of scripture, when he talks about Israel, immediately in the traditional sense of the world of church, we dismiss that as a promise, not for us, but for someone else because we don't believe that we are God's chosen or God's Israel. I'm going to convey one thought to you, and then we're going to go from there and show you that according to the scripture, this verse is for you. And you can walk in every promise that God has. So I want you to be open-minded. I want you to write down, take notes if you like to. Um, If not, we download our app you can get it on the podcast later watch it on our youtube channel and let's welcome all of our people that are watching on live on youtube and facebook right now thank you for joining us but for you as well that are watching take note take note and recognize that god's promises are for you and god has a plan we're going to be talking about resting in his promises resting in his promises will you pray that god will bless this moment of the service right now again father in jesus name bless this moment bless all those that are listening and watching bless those that are here we pray that the anointing would come like it was in first service and even in a deeper manner we pray that a revelation and impartation and understanding would be made simple and plain and that we can walk out god walk out empowered in jesus name we pray and everybody say amen Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap ahead of time and tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated here. Thank you for standing and honoring of God's word. It's something we want to continue to do to let him know how we 
and what we think about his word. It almost seems that this portion of scripture along with others can relate to the children of Israel and under an old covenant alone. In this portion of scripture is just so relevant to understand the perspective of the writer of this psalm. His understanding of knowing when he said, I looked up unto the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. Having a understanding of who God is and his power and his authority isn't enough. What completes that understanding and how it benefits us is how and understand how God feels about you. The psalmist knew how God felt about him. He knew that God would help him, has helped him, and would continue to do so. Because he trusted him. But the one thing that stands out to me is that since we're talking about rest is how it says that God neither slumbers or sleeps. He's saying that, that while you're asleep, God is awake. Spirits don't sleep, especially the spirit of God. God doesn't need sleep. God doesn't become weary. The only time God became weary is when he was in the person of Jesus because of the body of, of Jesus. He fasted. He became weary. He needed rest. That's like our spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, but God doesn't need a break. God doesn't need time out, right? You ever play, you ever play tag with your kids or your grandkids and you're like, after five minutes, <sighs> wait, time out, time out. And they don't even know what time out is. Nobody plays chase and tag anymore because they're behind video games. And right, like tag, tag, what's that? You know, let's, you know, it, it just, you and I get tired and we get a bit weary, but that's in our humanity. But God doesn't get tired. Let me take it a step further. You can get tired in your life and get tired with work and get tired with your coworkers or get tired in your job or get tired of, of and then you love your family, but you can become weary as a mom and become weary as a dad and get tired. But, but God doesn't get weary and God doesn't get tired. So when he begins to write this, not only was he displaying the power and the ability for God as he created the heavens and the earth and it was formed, but he was talking about the endurance that when he is tired, God watches over him. When you rest, God has you. When you are resting in him, God, it's like a level of trust. When you begin to rest in God, when you begin to go to sleep, as it were, at night when you go to bed, it, you, there's, there should always be something in the back of your mind. I'm not saying to pray this prayer, but there should be this sense of, now I lay thee down to sleep. I bless the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I bless the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Right? That no matter what, all is well. Now that I just said that little prayer is kind of pessimistic, right? Like, you know, I'm going to die in my sleep. God's going to take me in. I mean, I mean, 
probably wasn't a good reference for the record, but just in the back of your mind, you, you know that all of heaven and earth watches over its citizens, watches over its people. We have, I believe, in the church world, became so emphatic and so religious in the sense of identity that we've lost ours. To identify ourselves as God's people almost can come across as being arrogant and proud, but it's not. It's no different than you claiming that you are the son of the daughter of your parents. There's nothing proud in that. It's just the truth. It's just a truth. And with that comes a sense of security. With that should come a sense of security. And there is something to be said about the child of God, or God's people, who stand in confidence, understanding how God feels about you, understanding in, that you have a mutual feeling towards him, and that's where we miss it, because sometimes the feeling isn't mutual. And I don't think it'll ever be when we think about the love of God, or how much God loves us, and how big and deep and wide his love is for us. I think that there's still this element of reaching out, of trying to grasp it, but never coming to full term in Revelation. The, the day will come where we will see him and he will see us as, as, as we are and we see him as he is. And that's when we get to heaven. Then we'll have the full revelation and understanding. But until that time, even the apostle Paul says we see through a dark a dark lens and, 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 and a smog glass, and we can't really understand it fully. Even the Apostle Paul said, I, I reach out to that which grabs, has grabbed a hold of me. I desire to pursue and to come after God. I wish to grab a hold of that which has grabbed a hold of me in his writings. But there's still something that we grapple with and something we wrestle with when it comes to understanding how he feels about us. What's ruined it for so many people is maybe a fault in their relationship with their mother and their father. And they can't relate to what it means to have a heavenly father. So you have to begin to walk with him and become established in the thought that he loves you and cares about you. To understand the depths, to understand the reality of him, it comes with an experience more than a theological understanding. Knowledge is great, but knowledge without experience means nothing. Knowledge without experience is nothing more than religion, theology. But because we interact with God, because you stepped into this church and you felt something, because the songs were being sang and you felt the author of the book, or you felt the inspiration of the worship or you felt the reality of God so let me just ask you a question have you felt the presence of God since you've been here already during this service do you think that that was mustered up based on just emotion or do you believe that it was because somebody was hungry for God and God showed up relationship with God is beginning to be experienced with him based on the knowledge that you have and the more you experience God, the more of an understanding you have and the knowledge begins to settle in your spirit. And then you walk with confidence based on your experience. Everyone in the Bible that had a walk with God and accomplished great things, they experienced 
experienced God in that revelation, in that understanding. To Moses, he was the great I am. The great I am to Moses that he delivered him, brought him out of Egypt. To Abraham, he was the God that provideth. The ultimate sacrifice. Abraham was an altar builder, a worshiper, and he is, was never without. God provided all of his need. So many, so many things to be said. Mary received a word from God and knew who Jesus was from the beginning. And he shall be the son of God, the child of the most high. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And she experienced him in the womb and knew him. But when Jesus came into this world, he came for a people. He came to establish a family. He did not come to establish a religion. He did not come to establish tradition. He broke every tradition he could. When you find him in the Bible, the Pharisees and Sadducees hated him. Because he broke their traditions. But he became relational. John wrote of this relationship when he said in his own book, and I don't think he was being arrogant, but he knew how much Jesus loved him when he described himself as the disciple whom the Lord loved. Even they became jealous of him at one point and said, Lord, if we're going to die as martyrs, what about him? He said, it's none of your business what I do with him in his life. You just worry about your own. Can you imagine how John felt whenever Jesus defended him? But don't forget, it was John also who was in exile on the island, on the island of Patmos. And it was there that he got revelation. He still went through some things. But Jesus is trying to convey a message to the church still. You're not just anybody. You're my somebody. I want to give you a point, and I want to explain this because you can read every promise. Most people read the Old Testament, and sometimes they just write it off as a promise that was given to Israel without personally attaching it to themselves. Here's the point I'm going to give you, and I want you to hold on tight because I'm going to explain it. You are the Israel of God. You are the apple of his eye. When the transition was taking place under a new covenant, God did something so miraculous. He did something that would totally debunk an old covenant to establish a new covenant. And if the church misses it, they miss out on the blessings. You're still blessed. But when you can personalize it, because you have your identity, we are facing an identity crisis. And it's very evident in the world. Everything that's spiritual begins to manifest itself physically many times. But, you know, I'm not talking about whether or not you know you're a boy or a girl. Let me, well, I better get off of that. I can say a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to because some of it's going to be outside the box. And 
I'll get in trouble. So, I mean, I'm not scared of what anybody thinks. I just, my sense of humor is not like yours. So I can help you. <laughs> Real easy to find out what you are. <laughs> just tell you. But anyhow, Lord, help me, Jesus, right now. Will you stretch your hands out towards me right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, touch his mind. An identity crisis in knowing who we are as the church. The Apostle Paul had to do this and explain it to the Romans. I'm going to read you this, Romans chapter 9. Listen to this. Just pay attention. Go with me here and write this down. And if you want, some, you want an assignment, this is part of it right here. Write down Romans chapter 9 and go home and read this or listen to it on the audio Bible as you drive. However you want to, just listen to this and take note of this. You want to highlight some things. Because Paul is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He said, when a potter makes a jar of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decorations or another to throw garbage into? So you got this jar for, for decor, flowers, and then you got a trash can. It's kind of extreme what he's talking about because when you talk, when you look at this and you read it, the trash can is the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. I'm not saying they're trash. I'm saying they're the trash can. And then he said the decor was the new, the new individual. Watch this. Because everything falls under the criteria of a new covenant. And so if you become a trash can in the eyes of God, what he was referring to was an old mentality, an old covenant, an old religion, an old mindset, because old mindsets need to be thrown away. And old mindsets can only be received by people under an old mindset. So if you're going to be a recipient of negativity, then guess what? You're a trash can. If you're going to be a recipient of an old thought, an old process, a religious mindset, some traditions, the law, every, you're going to be a trash can. But to another who's been a recipient of the beauty and the edifying and the believing and the establishing, then you become something to behold. And so he says it right here. He says, in the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. Talking about two different people here. And we are among those whom he selected, watch this, both from Jews and from Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God, now if you're not from a Jewish descent, if you only have 25% from your DNA testing, you're not a Jew. Trust me, you're not. If you're 100%, then, you know, I'm not talking to you right now. But if you're a Gentile and you understand that you were at some point in your life before anybody talked to your parents, grandparents, 
great-grandparents, whoever they were about Jesus, you were considered a Gentile or a heathen. That's just the facts. Hard to believe, but that's just it. Somebody in your life didn't know Jesus at one time, but somebody talked to them about him. But we are them that were selected from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who are not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. He didn't love us. He didn't love us not because we were, because really we were unlovable. We couldn't please him. We didn't believe in him. We worshiped idols. We worshiped false statues and had things in our life that were contrary to the law of God. But listen to what he says. Verse 26, and then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. How did that transition take place? And concerning Israel, Isaiah said, now he's talking about the Jew. Watch this now. He's talking about the Israelites. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, Though the people of Israel are numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. Think about that for a moment. Only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of our children, he would have been, he, we would have been wiped out like Sodom and destroyed like Gomorrah. He is talking about those of the nation of Israel that will be saved through Jesus Christ. God has not done away with Israel just like he didn't do away with the Gentile. In the scripture, when you study, the apostle Peter was ordained to reach out to the nation of Israel to tell them about Jesus Christ. If they didn't need saving, then why did God send Peter to see them saved and tell them about Jesus? Why did it happen on the day of Pentecost when, Je when Jesus used Peter to preach to thousands of Israelites about Jesus? Our mission in life as Gentiles who were grafted in and given an opportunity, the Apostle Paul was called to reach out and to see the Gentile nation saved. And he's talking about the distinguished difference. But our responsibility as people who weren't the people at one time is to walk in humility and to walk in prayer and to pray for the nation of Israel that God would reveal the Messiah to them and that they would be saved. He didn't come to do away with them, but he came to save them through Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility, but you and I who didn't know Christ, he adopted us. He grafted us in. What does all this mean? Verse 30. Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that it, this took place. Any Gentiles here? Any people here? All the Latinos should have raised their hands right now. 
I'm just saying you are not Jew. You are Latin. I'm just telling you everyone who's in this place should have said, you know what? It was me. I didn't deserve this, but somebody touched me. Somebody changed me. Somebody, that somebody was Jesus. Somebody found me. By faith, we came to Christ. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get it right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting him. Instead of trusting him. So they stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scripture and he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. But let me add, but will receive grace. That rock was Jesus. And if you're in the church, you didn't stumble. You just stepped up higher. I want you to think about that. But this is what you need to know. How many of you understand what I just read? By the way, that wasn't my opinion. That was the word of God. <laughs> that wasn't my opinion. That was the word of God. And I'm trying to teach you for a moment. We have to educate ourselves in the knowledge of God. But at the end of this lesson, you're going to have a knowledge that you can approach God with more confidence, more faith, more understanding, more promises are going to come into your mind. Because then you're going to understand who you are. You're not just somebody. Because we don't understand Old Covenant, New Covenant. If you just come to church just to feel good and go home for dinner just to be filled. You come to church because you are his people. And you're gathering together to worship the one true God. And you're honoring him. And you're putting him first. And you're actually establishing and making that promise come to pass in your life. And you're carrying this for generation to generation. And you're doing it for your children more than yourself being in church. You're coming to church to establish the covenant for your children so they'll know the way. But to worship the one true God in its full capacity, in his full understanding, you have to know who you are. And if you're not trusting in him by faith, you're not resting in him. But when you rest in him, because you know who you are and what he's done, and you're not just somebody, you're his people. The promises of God begin to activate in your life when you walk with him. I want you to write this down, Ephesians chapter 2. Here's an assignment for you, a little bit of homework. So you can leave here and throughout the week have something to, to I know I already gave you Ephesians chapter 9, but, but you know what? Reading's good for you. If you have a hard time reading, do an audio book. Ephesians chapter 2. Are you ready? Can I go through this? Raise your hand if you're good with this right now. Are you, are you, catching, are you catching this? I know it's a little bit tedious right now, but I want you to catch on to this because this will help you. Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift 
from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new, anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. Once a long time ago. Everything in the Old Testament. God knew this day would come where Gentiles would be part of his people. And that every promise God had and every plan he had, we're going to fulfill it in our lives. He said, verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. He's talking to the Ephesians. In the church of Ephesus, this is where... Paul walks in and sees all of the idols and the, and, and the subscription and, the, subscription and the, the writing that was on the tomb that says to the unknown God. The church of Ephesus was in the middle of demonic worship. And God established a church right there. And he's talking to all of them right now. He said, don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. See, we, we have to remind ourselves because some of you were raised in church, some of you weren't raised in church. But whether you were raised in church or whether you weren't raised in church, don't forget, you shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. Because sometimes we can get a little arrogant and think that, you know, well, we're, child of, we're children of the Most High God. Be careful, because God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. But there ought to be a gratitude in our spirit with humility and a meekness. And that's where God says, if the meek, that they'll inherit the earth. I'll bless them. I'll be with them. I'll be with the humble. Remember, remember, remember where God brought us from. Some of you, God brought out of a dark place. How many, how many of you here, God has ever really forgiven and brought you out of a dark pit? And, and how many of you knew you were in darkness and you knew you didn't have a way or didn't know the answers and didn't have direction? But how many of you know the day Jesus found you, your eyes were open, your spirit was enlightened, and you started to walk after him? You started to do the right things. And so he says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, not their hearts. In those days, they were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You didn't know them. You lived in this world without God and without promises God had made and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross. He brought two groups of people together to form one body. He broke down the middle wall of hostility that separated us. Now no one can brag about their heritage. Now no one can, can feel condemned about their past. 
Now nobody has the right to say, I'm a son of Abraham. I'm a child of Abraham. Now nobody can feel condemned and left out because they say, I come from a heathenistic background. God said, I took care of all of that at the cross. Now I've got one group of people through Jesus Christ. I don't care who your mama was. I don't care how bad it was for you. I don't care how good it was for you. I don't care how much prominence your people had. I don't care about the heritage. It doesn't matter what you went through. It doesn't matter what you're going to go through. All that matters is, is that God is with you. He leveled the playing field. He did this by ending verse 15. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jew and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of death of the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles. Who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles, somebody say he's talking to me. Come on, somebody say it with me. He's talking to me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you. He's talking to you now you Gentiles are no longer stranger than foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. In other words, you are God's Israel. You still have religion in your mind fighting that because you were raised, that's God's chosen people only, and you're just like a misfit, right? We're just this other group of people. No, 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 not according to these scriptures I've been reading you. Well, according to these scriptures, God did away with that and the other and made a whole new man. One man. One covenant. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God of all who is in all and through you all. One new people. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone in Christ Jesus himself. And the cornerstone was him. So if you're in this church, you didn't, get, you didn't stumble, you stepped up. Right? You didn't stumble at it, but the children of Israel did, and they missed it. But some, not all of them, a remnant of them stepped up, and they got on the foundation, and God began to build his church, and he began to send them out to the Jewish nation and the Gentile nation. And I want to tell you something. Out of 33 years and three days in the life of Christ, over 2,000 years later, he's still making a difference in our world, and you wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the spirit of Christ isn't God good isn't God good and we're not just somebody we are his people we are part of the tribe of Israel we are part of a new man a new people comprised of Jew and Gentile so now let's go back to the scripture text let's go back to Psalms 121 and read it again he Right there, 
He will not leave you, let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Verse 3, the one who watches over you will not slumber. In other words, this promise is for who? Indeed, he, verse 4, who watches over Israel never sleeps, slumbers or sleeps. But did you notice it used the word stumble? He will not let you stumble. In other words, the only time the word stumble is used is when you come in contact with the revelation of who Jesus is and you either catch it and step on it and go up or you stumble and miss it. The good news is you haven't missed it. How many of you believe in Jesus? Come on, somebody. Think about this scripture. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus lives in you. That the spirit of Christ in you is the hope of glory. That you're not just here sitting down going through the motions. You are here because you have an intimate relationship with your personal savior. And you walk with him and you talk with him. And he calls you his own. And he said, you're the one. You're the one. That he watches over when you see the reason why I believe it says he that watches over Israel neither slumbers or sleeps to remind you that when you rest and go to bed, he's still awake. You can rest while you're still awake by trusting him. You see, resting in Christ is a different level of faith, trusting him. And when you're walking with him, you can detach your mind from your worries, from your concerns. Because God said, verse 5, the Lord himself watches over you. Amen. The Lord himself watches over you. You've got your own personal bodyguard. Well, where does my help come from? From the mountains? I looked up into the hills. No, 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 no. My help comes from the Lord himself, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers. In fact, God doesn't need to get a nap. He is fully alert and he's fully capable. My protector is the one who said, let there be light, and there was. My protector, some on somebody, said, let the earth appear and the dry land appear and the water began to separate itself my God my protector who doesn't sleep when I'm resting said let there be a separation of the firmament from the heavens above and the earth beneath my God created every living animal that you're looking at my God created every living amphibian that you can look at and every fish in the sea my God created do I have to keep on going my God created every fowl of the air my God spoke night and day into existence my god created the ozone my god created the solar system why is that important because he's the one that watches over you why because you're his apple of his eye you're his people you're not just a stranger you're a citizen of god you're the israel of god oh my god you're the Israel of God. You're 
God didn't do away with Israel, natural Israel. He didn't do away with them. He sent the Messiah to them like he sent him to you and I. But even the apostle Paul said, I would hope that myself would be a curse from Christ that, that Israel may be saved. If you want to know how to pray for Israel, and you need to every day because you and I don't deserve to be here, we need to pray for Israel every single day that they would get to know Jesus Christ, that they would experience the Messiah. There are ministries from all around the world that are being sent into Israel, and there are many thousands of Israelites coming to know Jesus, accepting the Messiah and receiving the promises of God and fulfilling the promises of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Those are our brothers and those are our sisters and those are God's people. And we are one together in Christ Jesus. So we have no room to boast. They have no room to boast. But whoever boasts, let him make his boast in the Lord. Let him boast in the Lord. Let his every voice give God the credit for every good thing in our life but the point I'm trying to give you all today is that we need to bring an end to the identity crisis of who we are we're not the church across the tracks we're not the group of people on the other side of town your identity is in Christ Jesus and every promise from Abraham Isaac to Jacob to Isaac I mean to every single one of the promises to every patriarch that was established from David to the lineages belongs to you and are for you so when you read that Bible and you see the promises there you're not excluded from it you have every right to claim them and to walk in them and to praise and begin to rest in them. Here's the point, the last conclusion I want to tell you. Come on, Haley. When you rest in Christ, you activate the promises God made to Israel. I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Go study your Bible. Stop listening to everyone else's theology and start seeking God for yourself. That's where, listen, I have read it in the Hebrew, I've read it in the Greek, but it is far better read in the Holy Ghost. When the author is present with you, when you read your Bible, he will interpret the scripture for you, and you have no need that any man should teach you. So don't take my word for it. Go home and pray about it and seek it and ask God, Lord, give me a revelation and an understanding. Give me an experience to let me know that I'm not just somebody. I am your people. I am part of your family. I am somebody, and I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to rest in that because when I rest in you, what happens when I rest in him and rest in that promise? We start to activate the promises of God in our life. He told Abraham... Whoever curses you, I will curse, and whoever blesses you, I will bless. That's for you. That's for you. He told Abraham, every place you put your foot and everywhere you go, I'm going to give it to you, that spiritual dominion. That's for you. That's for you. The promises of Abraham were meant for Jesus, the seed of 
Abraham, the seed being single, which was Jesus. And if you've got Jesus, you have now become the rightful, the rightful heir to every promise through Christ. Through every promise. And that ought to bring a sense of humility and gratitude and thanksgiving because God wants to bless your family. God wants to continue and bless up to three and to four generations and even more. Every promise belongs to his people. If you believe this, stand to your feet. Raise your hands and say, God, let it sink in my spirit. I'm going to walk away from here, not just a church member. I, it's not about being a member of Riverside, but I thank you for the, the order and the organization and the structure of things, God, and the earth. But more than that, Father, spiritually, I'm one of your people made by, <laughs> made by the blood of Jesus Christ. I belong to you. My family belongs to you. And we are blessed. We are a blessed people. And every promise, God, that was ever made in that book, I receive it in Jesus' name. I walk in it in Jesus' name. My children will be blessed. My daughters will be blessed. My wife and my husband will be blessed. My grandfather, God, my grandmother, my parents will be blessed. My aunts and my uncles. I'm talking about no boundaries. I'm talking about if God can save you, he can save them. There are no boundaries to what God can do. He said, as many as believe. He said, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, as many as will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Father, in the name of... I'm going to pray it right now. If you want this knowledge to abide and reside and to stir up a spirit and revelation understanding in you and impartation of who you are right now just lift your hands father in the name of jesus let this become an understanding and let a depth of understanding come god to your people we remove the identity crisis right now we are not just a group of people who go to church on sundays we are your people father right now in the name of jesus right now right now father right now let this revelation come let the reality of God have come. Let the sonship, God, of Jesus arise and stir up inside of us, Father. In the name of Jesus right now, we pray. We pray, God. We pray right now. We pray right now. Right now. Right now, Father. Now, touch, Lord. Touch, Lord. Touch the hungry hearts. Touch the hungry hearts. Touch the hungry hearts. God, we want you in our family. We want you in our business. We want you to be everything to us and lead us into our promised land. We believe that you have territory for us to take. There is no Philistine. There is no Amalekite. There is no Amorite. There is no enemy God in the land that can stop it. No spirit that can hinder us from taking the land. We walk in a covenant, God, with you, and we will take the land. We will see lives and family members changed and saved. We believe, dear God, that you have a greater promise. Now we walk in this authority. Say right now in Jesus' name. Say right now in Jesus' name, I receive it. Come on, I receive it. I'm in covenant with him. I am committed to him. I am his people separated holy 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 unto him a people a royal priesthood a holy nation separated unto god separated unto god say it right now i walk in it 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 i receive it i receive it i receive it i receive it come on lift up your voice let's sing
how many of you feel that right now? How many of you feel that anointing right now? How many, honestly, do you feel that impartation? Do you feel the reality of that word? How many of you feel excited in your spirit because you're not just a church member? You're part of God's royal family. You're his people. You're his people. Say, I'm his people. Come on, somebody say, I am his people. We are his people. Don't let a religious theological doctrine that never came from God remove your identity it's time for us to start accepting the word of God as it was meant to be expressed and walk in our destiny as one new man in Christ Jesus where he gets all the credit and there's a peace that comes because we aren't just believing in him he believes in us Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.